the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. I am super excited about today's show because we have the opportunity to meet somebody who's living overseas, not in America, but someplace overseas. Now, he's from America, but he's living overseas and he provides for his family without having a job. He went from ordinary, just like most people, ordinary working an ordinary job, just over broke job, and now he's extraordinary by providing for his family with businesses and or the the companies that he's created basically he has money coming in outside of a job and he's working overseas at a NGO or non-governmental organization where he's volunteering his time so he makes his money from his business and then gives his time away it's fantastic so Josh Summers thank you so much for being on the show thank you Dustin it's great to be here man i, I want to quickly jump into it how are you able to provide for your family with you volunteering 100% of your time someplace else? How do you make money to provide for your family? For the longest time, I used to call myself a blogger. And I guess for the you know for most people, that's what would make a lot of sense. But I think I've made a shift here in the past year. And the way that I describe it to most people is that I run a media company. Um, and I've got five other people that work with me, mostly freelancers. And these what we do is we put out um, books, like physical books. We've got websites. We've got uh, podcasts. It's just different forms of media um, providing a service to a different type of audience. So a number of different audiences that we serve. And, and it's been a great learning experience for me over the past 10 years. And it's also been a lot of fun. Man, that is that's very, very cool. So you created a media company. I love that idea rather than just calling yourself a blogger. Because, you know, when you say, yes, I'm a blogger, people are like, oh, you're, it means you're not making any money or you're just doing it because, you know, you don't have anything else to do or whatever it might be. I, th I love that. I'm going to have to start. I have a media company. I, I, I like that. Um, now, how did you go from a job or let's let's start back from your beginning when you were working in just a normal job and you thought yeah. you know this is something that I can do to provide for my family talk to us about that whole process what you were going through your thoughts and everything well, I mean, so I'll rewind back to about 2010, even though my story goes much further than that, because my wife and I moved out to China in 2006. But 2010 is when I would say I got my first real job. And I'm, I'm using kind of the air quotes, if you didn't see that. But uh, it was a sales job in a for-profit company that, that helped nonprofits uh, raise money. And it was, it was a great learning experience. And I think through all of it is when I really started to come into my own and realize that I, I had more of an entrepreneurial spirit. I wanted to be trying things on my own. Um, I knew that I was efficient at what I did and that I had ideas. And um, I also knew that my bosses weren't necessarily interested to hear my ideas. And they just wanted me to do the work that I was supposed to do and go home, take my paycheck and go from there. So um, I remember one day they brought me into the office and said, um, listen, we're eliminating the position. We like you so you can move on to this this role. And um, and I said, you know, I, I'm I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, and it was a bit of a leap because at that point I didn't have anything other than savings. So I didn't have what we would call a side hustle. I didn't have another business. What I did have is I had a wife who was very willing to try another adventure with me. And we had lived overseas in the past and there was an opportunity for us to go again. Um, and this time we had to get some help 
but we did go overseas and, and, and it allowed us to serve with, uh, with an NGO out overseas and it worked out really well, but it was during that time that I started to write. I mean, I started just to keep a blog of what we were doing. Um, and that's where kind of this online media company was born, even though at the time, like I said, at that time it was just a blog. And so what year was um, that, that you started that? Well, like I said, the, the blog was really back in 2007, 2008 when we were first in China, but I took it more seriously the second time around. And, and, you know, by the time we had gone back out, it was making maybe $50 a month, $100 a month. So definitely not something that someone could live on, even in a third world country. I love that. You, you took the leap. I, I like how also how you said that you had an amazing wife who was definitely encouraging in that. I know if I asked my wife that she'd be like, what, what are you, are you, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> we have security here and yeah. everything. And so when I, I actually lost my job, I was laid off as well. And it was just, Oh, well, I it was working for the government too. Who gets laid off or fired from the government? Apparently I did. Wow, and so, nice. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but because of that, I put my full time effort into investing in real estate. And that's how I got to become successful employed, buying property after property. After 30 plus properties, I'm like, why am I working anymore? I'm just wasting my time here. So now you have a media company, you started as a blog, and then you turn it into a media company. You have so many great things that you're putting out, books and everything, and you have people working for you. If somebody wanted to get started, let's say they like traveling. Let's just use that as an example because I personally, I literally love mm. to travel. Last last year, we went to Europe for six weeks, 11 different countries, and all four of my kids and my wife and myself, we went and traveled all around Europe. And year before that, in 2017, we went to Japan for six weeks, drove 1,500 miles around Japan. And I think next year, we want to go to Italy. We love traveling. So if I were to get yeah. started with a blog and turn it into a media company and traveling, what are the steps? What should I do? Yeah, I think that most people make the mistake of wanting to just do a diary. Um, and this has to do with pretty much anything, whether you're dealing with travel, whether you're dealing with finance or whether you're, where you're just, you're journaling your process. And that makes sense. And that works for a lot of people. But for me, what I've found when you're dealing with something, when you're wanting to actually plan and be strategic about it, it's, I, I would start by doing this as you're, let's say you're going to do the travel. We'll just use that as an example. As you're preparing for your own journey, I would document like crazy. What are the questions that you're running into as you're preparing to to travel? What are the things that you're having a hard time finding? What are the books or the resources that you're using? Document that and figure out as a you know, personal traveler, what is it that, that you actually need? What are the companies that you're using? Where are you spending money? All of that type of stuff. Because what I would do as you go into it is not think, okay, I'm going to, you know, now I just visited Rome. I'm going to write a blog and show you my cool pictures of Rome and hope that somebody just looks at this, reads it and says, wow, that's neat. Instead looking at it and saying, okay, yeah, you could do that if you want. But in addition to that, you're going to want to take and see, all right, how did I do this? What companies did I use? Would I use them again? Um, one of my most successful, I mean, a, a lot of people think that you have to be an expert at something in order to gain traction online. One of my most successful posts, right? We'll just call it an, an article on one of my websites was um, I, you know, living overseas, I use my parents' address for, you know, my, uh, my home address. And so they would get all of our mail. They would get our tax stuff. They would get our credit card, like the, all that stuff. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing at times. And I remember my dad called me about four years in and he's like, Josh, you, you just need to find another, um, another address. We're, we're not going to keep accepting your mail and forwarding it on. We love you. 
I mean, we will do it if we absolutely have to, but try to find something else. So I spent about a week doing research. What are the options? What could I actually do? And then I landed on a, a good resource. I paid for it and I used it and I liked it. And then I took all of that research and turned it into about a 2,000, 3,000 word um, blog post, for lack of a better word, a guide. And that has been useful to so many different people because they're thinking the same things I was at that time and wondering, how am I going to figure out this information? And boom, if I provide them what they need at the time that they need it, then that uh, is a recipe for success, at least in my opinion. That's fantastic. So documenting as you're planning it out, as you're going through the process, the questions that you have that come up, apparently, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that other people have the same questions. So that's a great idea. Now, once we, we start to document, we start to um, get these answers and we start writing everything down, what's the next step? Is it, is it literally, should we get a domain name right away? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, whenever I'm talking with friends or, or family that want to do something similar, I always want to caution against diving in too much financially um, because there's so many ways that you can do it low cost or free. You know, I use uh, a, a tool called ConvertKit for my email, but it, it costs money. And so there's a, you know, you can use a free version of MailChimp until you reach a certain level. You know, there are $5 hosting plans. I mean, I spend hundreds of dollars a month on my website hosting, but that's because I'm uh, to the point where I want premium hosting. I've got hundreds of thousands of visitors coming to the sites, but you don't need that. You can spend $3 on your first website. So yeah, like if there's something free that you can start with, um, you could potentially just uh, get a, a wordpress.com website and then buy your own domain and then use that as kind of a testing ground for your ideas. And you can eventually move that somewhere else if you need to, but just start somewhere small and, uh, and learn as you go. So if we were to go with a domain name and get a, a WordPress or get a, get a hosting company, and I, I'm literally it, like you said, five dollars a month just for the hosting, which is basically it's a cup of coffee that costs more than that. So we could definitely afford that. A domain name. If you go through, I like Namecheap.com. They're really, really inexpensive, and I pay like eight dollars yeah. a year for a domain name. So I mean that breaks down to like like seventy five cents a month. So you're at almost six dollars a month for a company that you can start up and potentially start earning money. So once we have, because that's a whole nother ball of wax, how to actually develop a site. But from there, once we have the site, we start looking at creating it now from just a site, a blog, to then being a media company. Is that is there many steps in between there or is it an easy jump to, not easy, but like can we jump to the next step of being a media company? I would say that the biggest ingredient that I've had to learn over the years is is one called patience. And uh, this type of stuff, it, it just doesn't happen overnight. And I know that's cliche to say, you know, it, nothing, you know, success doesn't happen overnight. And yet it's true. Like there are ways to jumpstart that process. Sure, you can pay for advertising, you can pay to get um, eyeballs on your website. But unless you really know what you're doing, unless you've optimized your conversion rates on your website for whatever you're trying to convert for, whether that's ads, whether that's selling a product or affiliates, unless you're optimized for that, um, really the best thing you can do is just be consistent and be patient. And um, I'm not saying that the results will be amazing. But as you start to, I mean, I think that patience allows you time to grow professionally in what you're doing. And, and it also gives time for things like Google or Facebook or other algorithms to pick up your stuff and realize that it's quality. So should we put out 
an article a week? Should we do something different than that? Should we just like front load it with like 50 articles as best as we can and type our brains out? You know, I, I don't know if there's a right answer there. Um, so for example, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. I've got one, you know, a couple of the websites that I started, I started from scratch, right? Like I, I launched it with one blog post. Um, it now has, the, this one has over 150, which, you know, honestly, in the realm of, of websites is not that big, but those 150 are very well thought out and generate about 300,000 visits a month. So it's it's something that people will actually read and, and it's searchable. So Google sends a lot of search traffic to it. Um, but I started that from nothing. Those are just, you know, from one blog post at a time. And then another one that I'm starting actually this year, the beginning of this year, we've done kind of what you said, where I, me and my team have kind of created a lot of the base content we needed, a lot of the landing pages because we knew exactly what we wanted. And then we're going to launch it as such and then start using the blog to generate a little more um, daily traffic. Um, so it can be done either way. I don't think there's a right and a wrong way. I think more importantly, it's, is that content of value? And does that content actually answer a question, a problem, or a need? Because if it's just you trying to write 300 words because that was your daily quota, then it's probably not going to do much good for you in the long run. And it seems like scaling, the next opportunity that you can do is hiring somebody to actually write articles for you. Is that is that correct? Is that something that would actually help your company as if you're getting other people to write good quality content? Yeah. And you don't even have to pay that much. There's a lot of people, especially if you have an audience that are willing to do it just to be able to get in front of that audience. Um, there's also a lot of scammers that want to buy their way onto your um, blog. So there's, you know, there's, there's a fine line that you have to walk there. I, it took me a while. I mean, I, I don't know, Dustin, do you hire people to write for your websites? At so all? yeah, for four years, no, I didn't. But now because I have extra money coming in, I do. I start hiring and I actually have four blogs myself that I have other people. I, I tell them what articles to write, what keywords to go after and all that sort of stuff. I give them the framework and then they just fill in the guts. So yes, I do. Yeah, no. And it took me about the same time to get to that point where I was willing to give up because I thought in the beginning that my secret sauce, like the reason that everything was, was because I was such an amazing writer. Um, and you know, yes, writing is good, but I've seen some really crappy writing reach the top of Google rankings. So even if you aren't, you know, an English lit major, you're still, you still have an opportunity to, to make an impact while uh, online and, and to actually have something that would be read. But to pass over that writing piece, I, I was very similar to you. Like I, I had to have at least a little bit of control. So I actually have a, a document. It's a template that it puts, I put the title of what I'm looking for and maybe some alternate titles. So the, the writer knows kind of what I'm looking at. It gives the keywords that I'm searching for and then some alternates so that they, I don't want it to be keyword stuffed. And, and, and honestly, most writers don't quite know how to write for SEO. So I'd rather ask a writer to just write and then I'll edit for SEO. And then I give them uh, an outline. And the reason I do that is because I find, you know, that a lot of writers just like to write freeform. Um, and what I find, especially for online writing is people like structure. They like to be able to see headings and they like to be able to scroll. And so if you were to look at one of my blog posts, it's not long paragraphs, it's, it's sentences. It's, it's, it's very scrollable. It's a lot of bold text, not too much, but, and then it's a lot of, um, bulleted information. So something that makes it, like I said, a lot easier for a user, a consumer to go onto that and get what they need and be done. I agree with that. And I know, Every time I have a business, I try, and I'm not the best at it, but I try to put myself in my consumer's shoes to say, if I'm looking yeah. at this as somebody that's, that has no idea what this is, 
am I going to read this? Like, is this going to work? Is it going to look good on my phone? Like, is it actually going to read well on my phone? Yeah. All those sort of thoughts. We need to take ourselves out of what who we are because like, we're so close to it as best we can. Or even ask, call up your mom and say, hey, mom, can you you know check out my article and tell me what's wrong with it? Or take, call your best friend, but call somebody else that's outside of that day to day operations to get a good perspective because if you can't do it yourself, you need to have that because if you're if if you're deterring people because either the formatting's off or it's just one big block of text for like two thousand words, people aren't going to read it. That's just nature now. Just because technology's advanced so much that it's so it's on the tip of our fingertips. So if we don't get it in two seconds, we're going to move on. That's what our consumers do. Yeah. So going from uh, now you're having some people write, which I love those tips, like having the structure and everything. Those are great tips. How do we then branch out to where, you know what, after two years or three years, I have one site, but I want to create, you have now four sites. I think you said three or four sites now. Is that correct? Uh, actually, the, the media company houses 16, but <laughs> three or four that I'm very, very actively involved in. Awesome. So. Okay. 16. What yeah. is the thought process to scale up to that many sites? Well, it, again, that's not something that I would necessarily recommend. Um, it works for me. I know a number of people. I have plenty of friends who only have one website, and they do that website really well. Um, a couple of the topics that I found myself writing about, um, I I don't want to say I got bored, but I found myself writing about the same topics, and I just didn't. I, I felt like if I could take and just edit to make to make it all you know, I basically turned one of the websites into a book and edited it to become that book. And then it became a, a good selling book. It was very useful to people, but I kind of realized that, you know, that that's the end of that website. I still update the content, but I'm not necessarily actively involved in that. Um, and, and so then I'm able to move my, my um, energies into other parts of, uh, of what we do. And yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it and I don't think that it's necessarily important. I think that I would spend more of my time once you've, because it, it's been said that once you write that piece of content, that's really only half the battle. Um, the other half is, is getting it marketed, getting it out there. And, you know, something I wanted to add on top of what you were saying, Dustin is, yeah, I want to take and look at the piece of content as a consumer, like what, is, what would that look to me? And I want to click the links and make sure that the links work. And I want to go through all that. Something else that was actually helpful for me is I, I thought to myself, and I actually forced myself to do this. I forced myself to share most of my blog post with my personal network on Facebook. And if I wasn't willing to share it, like, if, cause you know, that'll, that, that brings a new level of, of scrutiny for yourself when you realize, well, some of my high school, you know, friends and college guys are going to be looking at this and they're going to laugh at me if it looks stupid. So then, you know, forcing myself to do that, it, it made me make sure that everything was right and everything looked good. I love that idea. So with master passive income, it was a hindrance for me to actually share that out on social media to my friends because I was literally telling people that I was quitting my job. So in my webs on my website on the top right hand corner, <laughs> it had a countdown timer for I'm I'm investing in real estate. Follow me, I'll show you how to do it. And in I don't know, 82 days and this many hours and this many minutes, I'm gonna quit my job. And so I didn't want my boss to find out. Well, it was probably about yeah. three or two and a half months before I was actually gonna quit. I get my call to my boss's office and he says, Hey, and I walk in there. I, for some reason, I he, I've gone in his office many times, but for some reason, I just knew. Hey, this is the time he's going to ask me. And he goes, "Hey, Dustin, I hear you're going to quit your job." And I was like, 
yeah, I am. It's <laughs> like, yes. So it took, plus, you know, long story short, it was hard for me because I was like, man, I don't want to get that out. But at the same time, that was a little bit of a security blanket. Like it allowed me to not share it because I was more concerned about, oh, my friends will read it and people, my peers will read it and they're going to scrutinize it. So I, that was like a security blanket to be able to say that. But I love that idea. Yeah. It's making yourself get out there. But here's another great benefit of doing that is you you never know who out there would actually love it and be able to utilize it, number one. But number two, how it can actually be shared and get you even in front of more and more people faster. And so I think that's a great, great opportunity. Is there anything else, like any tips that you can give us that can help us in creating uh, – Just let's just say instead of getting a, a media company because we've got to start somewhere. If we're starting one site, is there other tips that you can help us out and understand to build a business that's an online uh, website that has articles and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things that's been most helpful to me is in the beginning, and I don't think this was a bad thing. In the beginning, it was you know the definition of a side hustle. It was just something that I enjoyed doing, um, and I and I think what became a challenge for me is I remember I had one website where I I was starting to build it and it actually became really successful. I ended up selling it and paying off my house, believe it or not. But I remember sitting down with a mentor of mine and he asked me, because I, I, I'd been thinking about, you know, I'm not sure what to, to do. And he's like, I think you should sell your, sell that part of your business. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like that, it, it brings in significant income. Like, why would I do that? And he says, is it, is it something that you're really passionate about? And, and it's like, you know, I mean, I, I like the topic, but it it's not like, I don't necessarily like writing about it. I just like doing it. It was guitars, by the way, I see a guitar behind you. And we were just talking about how you, you play guitar. I play guitar. I love playing guitar. I'm not a huge fan of writing about it for some reason. And, and he, and he said, he, I remember him telling me this, he's like, listen, if it's, you know, cause I told him, I was like, I could hire somebody to just run it and, and it'd be, and he's like, as long as you've got that in your portfolio, it's always going to be taking up brain space. Like you need to figure out who you are, like what is your identity online and then go after that and then shed anything else that doesn't fit into that. I think one of the problems I see, I've seen for myself and I see for a number of people is they're going after, let's say what they see is a very profitable niche or something that, that can do, you know, that can grow fast as opposed to something that they actually have a passion for or something that fits in with their identity. Um, I don't know, nobody who's listening to this can, can actually see this, but Dustin, you can see this. I've got a sign and I, and I printed it out because it's, it's really important to me. It's got, significance beyond what I can, I have time to share with you here, but it, it's a sign that just says, what is your identity? And it, it's something that I see every time I walk into my office, because I think that that is kind of the core of what I build my business on is, is what is my identity? My identity is I am a, a believing Christian who wants to use the skills that I have to make an impact globally. And so what is it that I do within my business that can actually achieve that goal? And if it's not achieving that goal, then I don't care how profitable it is or how, how lucrative it is. I want to maybe turn my sights to something else or, or pivot in some way. I don't know. Does, does that make sense, Dustin? It absolutely does. I love it. I love it. And so um, if we get started in a certain direction and we start realizing, hey, this is not something that we can either continue long term or I can give my energy in someplace else. You're thinking that analyzing it under the scope of what your identity is and if it fits that identity, 
then keep going with it. If it doesn't, then move on or figure out a way. Like you said, selling it and paying off your house. That's amazing. I love hearing that. That's absolutely fantastic. And so now if we were to write a book, you said you have a website that basically you turn into a book. Quickly talk to us a little bit about having that part of the media company of writing books. That just sounds daunting to most people. Well, I'm sure maybe five, 10 years ago, it would have been uh, with the advent of Amazon, it's surprisingly easy. As a matter of fact, it's almost embarrassingly easy. Somebody says to me, they come up to me, oh, wow, you're you're an author. I, you know, your book is selling on Amazon. It's like, yeah, and I could easily put my dog, you know, as an author on, on Amazon. I mean, I say it that way. It kind of makes me laugh. My wife, you know, continues to remind me, it's like, no, it seems easy to you, but it may not be to, to somebody else. And, and that's true. I do think, though, the hardest part of writing a book is not getting it published. The hardest part of writing a book is just writing the book, confirming to yourself, like making sure that you are actually going to sit down and write that book. The rest of it is something that you can get friends. I mean, I know that you could probably find somebody in your network that's that's published a book before, but you want to know what's interesting, Dustin. I published my books. I've got two of them now. Um, there's a couple things that that I've learned in the in the process that I think are very interesting. The first is this: print versions, at least of my books outsell my digital Kindle versions three, four to one, like easily. I thought that people would be buying the digital version one, because it's it's half the price. Like, um, no, it's even more than half the price. So my digital version is like six 99 and my print version is $15 and people would rather pay the $15 to have a print version in their hands. And the great thing is, is because I'm using print on demand through Amazon, um, they, I don't have to store inventory. I don't have to worry about that. All I do is I upload my PDF file that's, you know, to their specs, but I upload it to Amazon and then Amazon prints and sells it all over the world. So I've got people in India, Australia, the UK that are buying buying my book locally and getting it delivered, printed on demand. So once they buy it, it gets printed and sent to their house. And that's just amazing to me. That is absolutely amazing. I completely agree. Now, I want to ask about, because if you're writing a book and having a media company, or basically you're having some sites, what are your thoughts about having your personality on there? Because I'll give you an example. Master Passive Income is a brand of mine where I talk about real estate and rental properties. And, and it's really focus on like driven by me. That's my personality. Um, successful employed, um, .co. That's also, you know, with me, I'm trying to push it. Like, this is me. What are your thoughts about having a personality driven site or, you know, you put your person not driven, but like you're actually on there smiling or a generic site. That's just all, you know, articles and links and all that sort of stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts about those between those two? I personally would advocate for a personality brand just because let's say, I mean, think about it when you're opening up your email and you get an email from Dustin at master passive income, that's going to have a different in my mind than getting an email. That's just from master passive income. Um, and I built an audience, you know, over the 10 years that I was in China, I built an audience of people that basically had followed along with my, me and my family's journey in this very Western remote part of China, uh, so unique that nobody else was there. And so it, it kind of provided a reason, a hook for people to want to find out what was happening out there. Um, and, and, you know, once we eventually left, I've been getting messages just, you know, Hey, I really enjoyed following along with you, uh, messages from the peoples that were, you know, that are minorities in that region that are diaspora now around the world that were saying, Hey, I, I kept in touch with my homeland by watching what you did on Instagram or Facebook or even your website and having that infusing your, um, your, 
your personality into it is, is the fastest way to really grow an audience. Now, what I will say, and it goes back to what I said, Dustin, earlier, if you if you think to yourself as 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 we're saying this, if whoever's listening is thinking to themselves, I couldn't do that um, because you know it would just seem silly or it would just. I think one of the things you need to ask yourself is if that brand does not fit with your identity, then it's not going to work. And and so at that point, I would reconsider that brand altogether. That's just me personally. Where I would say if you if you couldn't infuse your personality into that brand and make it better, your passion for that, your drive to do that, then to me, that's kind of a red flag that maybe that doesn't align with your identity of who you are. I think that makes a lot of sense. It also kind of lends into the idea that if a salesman is trying to sell something that he doesn't buy into, he doesn't believe in, he's not going to sell very many of them because he doesn't believe in himself. It's so much better. If you believe in what you're selling, you can do so much better. Same thing. If you're writing something about like say guitars, you're so passionate about guitars and you want to write about guitars. You want to show people, you want to teach people and it comes out in your speech. It comes out at everything. People are going to grab onto that. I completely agree with that. So, um, the last thing I'll follow up with, if we're building a media company and we have this many sites, how do you juggle all these different sites? How do you juggle all these things all at one time? Well, it did take a while to get to this point. And what I will say is like I, I kind of briefly mentioned, I don't actively run 16 at a time. There's a number of them that are just static sites. And what that means is they're not updated. They're just, they're up there. I'll probably go in once every quarter to make sure that everything is still working right. Everything's updated. So there's about four or five sites that I keep actively updated. And it's a chore. Um, it's not something that I would necessarily wish on on other people. But the fact that I have a team is really what helps that along. And the fact that these are established brands. So I'm not having to write a new piece of content every single day for every single brand. Uh, that would be pretty much insane. But what I do have is I have an editorial calendar for each one of the sites that gives me a little bit of security in knowing that what is my schedule here and, and how, like, how do I need to, to break out my time? Um, and, and so when I'm doing this, I know that, okay, Tuesdays for this website, I always publish a new piece of content, whereas Mondays and Wednesdays are always a refresh. And I have a content manager who helps me with the refresh. So all I have to do, it literally should take me only 10 minutes is look over what he did, make sure that if any questions he had, I can answer. And then I schedule it. And so then for one of these, you know, uh, websites. We have a piece of content that's being published every day, but it's not always a new piece of content. A lot of times it's actually, that's one thing I've, I've, I'm a big advocate of is updating old content because you know, what you wrote a year, two, three years ago, um, is probably not going to be, um, up to the same best practices, both from a writing, from an SEO, things change all the time. And so updating my old content has been a huge undertaking, but it's reaped a lot of rewards. I think that's a great point. I have a, a friend of mine. He has one of the biggest finance um, websites in Canada. And he says his business, he's built it up so much. He's worked on it for quite a long time. But what he does every single week in order to keep his maintain his like the number one status and get so many yeah. people coming to him is he ha he updates one blog post or one article a, a week. He does one podcast and then either he or has somebody else write a new article. So the new article keeps yeah. it growing, but he says he has to update previous stuff because, yeah. and you hit the nail on the head. 
things change. Google changes, Yahoo changes, all these things change. And what was working three years ago might not be working now and you need to adjust. And even formatting, you know, people might have a difference in formatting. They're like, oh, I like seeing emojis now everywhere. That's not a thing, but let's say if it is, you need to update it. So that's a great point. Now, Josh, is what else, is there anything else we could have missed or anything that any else, uh, uh, what's your wisdom to create a blog and a media company that we should know? The only thing I'd say is that there are going to be plenty of, of at least mental barriers to get moving on any of this, right? There, you've got questions of, all right, things that we didn't even touch on. Do I need to start an LLC? Uh, am I going to need to hire a, a you know a lawyer? Am I going to need to hire an accountant? Like all these things. And, and I think that the more that you can kind of put those to the side, they're, they're not bad questions, but you don't have to start a legal entity to get moving. You don't have to have an accountant in order to do your business taxes. You don't have to have a lawyer, although in some cases, if you're you know, dealing with certain contracts or contractors, it's not a bad idea. But all that stuff can come later. These are things that you can learn. And, and as long as you're willing to continue that learning process as you go along, not just personally. So, so for example, yes, I'm learning as I go along with my own websites and, you know, learning, uh, you know, better ways to write a book and publish a book and all those things. But I'm also listening to podcasts. I'm also reading books from other people that are doing it better than I am. So I'm continuing that learning process, not only individually, not only within myself, but also externally and soaking in what other people are doing, listening to podcasts, like you're listening to this podcast right now. These are the things that have really helped me along the way as well well as pushing aside a lot of those obstacles that maybe I put there for some unknown reason. That's great. Josh, you've given us so many great principles and everything. And right now I want to jump into the rapid fire round. Now the rapid fire round basically asks you a few questions off the top of your head. You should be able to answer these fairly easily. Now, the first question, because you've given us loads of principles, I'm asking for you one more. If you were to go back and tell your younger self, let's say you're 12 years old, 13 years old, and you want to tell your younger self, say, hey, young Josh, this if there's one piece of advice out of all my years of living, this is what you need to know. What would you tell yourself? The sooner you get started on anything, the better. Whether it's learning an instrument, starting a business, uh, learning a skill, investing, the sooner you start, even if you're not good at it, the better it'll end up. I think it's fantastic. I know. I love the, um, I think it's a Chinese proverb, but it says, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. Yesterday. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It, the best time, second best time is today. So you absolutely need to do it today. So great. Now, next question. If somebody, and like, again, you've given us so many principles that we can go from, but is if somebody says, you know what? I want to be like Josh. I want to go work at NGO. I want to serve. But at the same time, I also want to be able to provide for my family. What is some tips or principles or any anything that you would be able to, uh, words of advice you can give? Yeah, uh, this one might be a little bit unconventional. And if you don't mind, I'll take maybe 30 seconds to answer. So, But um, I think the big thing, a change that I've had to make recently is that I kind of came into this thinking that my business is there to fund my ability to do ministry or my ability to work with an NGO or work with local people. And they were basically two separate things, right? So I, I work and then... And that money allows me to then do this for free and not have to worry about donors or anything like that. But I think um, it's actually a, a very difficult and um, probably wrong way to look at it because the way that I want to see it now is, is my business is it's part of my identity. It is who I am and it, and it is something that I want to be an outpouring of the way that I give. And, and so, you know, in some ways, instead of saying, I have this business and now I'm going to go 
you know, volunteer. It's how can I use what, what the skills that I've gained here to maybe uh, consult with some of the nonprofits and NGOs that I'm working with. And I have been able to do a little bit of consulting or how can I, you know, train some of the locals here. I, I love being able to use local um, contractors to be able to give them training in something that they normally wouldn't have been able to learn. So trying to find ways to not separate these two portions of my life, but trying to find ways to, to combine them and make it all a seamless part of who I am. That is brilliant and fantastic advice. I completely agree. When I was starting Master Passive Income, I was starting to think, well, how? because I'm a Christian. I read the Bible every day. I read the Bible to my kids. We go to church all the time. And I was thinking, how much should I actually hold back? You know, in my because my normal everyday language, I say, if somebody asks me, how are you doing? I say, praise the Lord, I'm doing fantastic. But should I hold that back? And I, I realize, you know what? This is who I am. I'm not going to change mm. who I am. I'm just going to be who I am. If somebody doesn't like it, they can turn it off. You know, they're not being forced to listen to it. But the people that do yeah. like it, that gravitate toward it, they're like, hey, I like this guy even more because he's really genuine. So I think that's great advice. Now, next question is, what is one one or two tools, or it could be an app, it could be any type of tool, anything that you could think of that would help us to become successfully unemployed. You know, one of my favorites, I know this This is weird, I love Audible. Um, I know that wouldn't be the first thing that people would think about, but just that that continuous learning and one of the best ways, especially if you're currently employed in a job and you likely have a commute, um, using that time to actually increase your skills is is great. Um, and then the second thing that, and granted, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm really a novice at this. So don't, this is me just talking very openly and, and raw here is I, I think that LinkedIn is better than I thought. And I'm really going to be investing, investing a lot in LinkedIn this coming year. And so, yeah, if, if anybody's listening to this and want to see how good or bad I'm doing at that, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's great. I've heard other great businessmen tell me that LinkedIn is the place to be. So maybe that's something I should check out. So that's a great tip. Now, the last question, what is one, and Audible is fantastic, but in that, what is one nonfiction book? It could be business, it could be life skills or whatever it might be. One nonfiction book that you would recommend us to read? Ooh, so I'm going to go with, there's two that come to mind, but I'll just tell you one, and that's uh, Profit First with, by Mike Michalowicz. It's a pretty easy one to recommend, but I think the point here being is building a business for the sake of building it big is is kind of pointless. But if you're building a business to actually support your family, uh, you need to think about taking that profit first and then trying to you do your best to minimize expenses. Uh, and it's a, it's changed the way a lot of people have done business. And, and I really enjoyed even just the way that he does it on Audible. It's, it's a great listen. That's great. Did you say there was a second one or is that the main one? There is, but you only asked me for Go one. Go ahead. Let's get another one. The other one is Get Things Done. That's an old one that's been around for a long time and uh, just a really great way to make sure that you're not wasting your time on things that aren't necessarily helping you along because I, the one thing that I hated most about my nine to five job is that it was nine to five. I can get more done in four hours on my own than I could ever get done in an office from nine to five. And I think part of that is because I've learned to be so efficient and focused with my time and get things done is probably one of the reasons I've been able to do that. That's brilliant. Awesome. Well, Josh, you've given us so much great wisdom and so much great information. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to, to listen to anything that you have or check you out, how can they do that? Uh, I would recommend two places. One would be either LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, both of those, you can find me at Josh S. Summers. So there's an extra S in the middle here. Just search me for Josh S. Summers and I'd love to connect. 
Awesome. Josh, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for serving and to, you know, being out there. Just say, I want to help people. I just want to serve people. I want to be out there. So Josh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successful unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.